0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joshua Samuel, and I'm an evangelist. Um, I'm a husband to my lovely wife who encourages me, and I will not be here without her. I'm also a father to my baby girl. She's smiling at me. Faith, <laughs> I'm super excited because she's here. She loves to hear me preach, especially when I'm practicing at home. She's like, so we also founded a ministry called Herald the Gospel, which pivots on the proclamation of the gospel, saving souls and equipping the church. And so we have that ministry, we have a school of evangelism, we do online Bible study and, and a lot more. But Citywide Church has been a family to me, especially as an immigrant. Uh, coming here in 2017, I believe was the first time I came to Citywide Church. And Citywide Church has been a family, especially... If you're an immigrant and you don't have family around you church is your family and they've done a great job in being my mom and dad and my siblings and leading me and guiding me and supporting me in so many ways so I want to encourage you if you've not made citywide church your home I'm gonna tell you make citywide church your home because we're family the kingdom of God is family (laughs) revival is family It's in community that we get to grow. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. I want to honor Pastor Lewis and Pastor Senny for giving me this opportunity. Let's give it up for a senior pastor. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me this opportunity. I know that this platform I'm standing on is built with blood, sweat, and tears. So I do not take it lightly at all. I want to also honor all the pastors And all the leaders and all the staff that makes Citywide Church happen week in and week out. Let me tell you, it's not an easy job, but thank you guys. I honor you. And I also want to honor all of you who have made it to church and who are watching online, who are lending me your ears for me to proclaim the word of God to bring transformation in your life. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to talk and preach about the heart of God from this series called Watchmen on the Wall. And you're gonna have a chance, and through my preaching, you will actually feel God's heart for you. And at the end, you will have a chance to respond to God's heart to you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you will have a chance to give your life to Jesus and your life will be changed forever. Can I get a witness? Right? We're all witnesses to a life transformed. If you talk to my friends in school, they won't even believe who I am today. I was so notorious. You might also be here and you might be wondering, well, I just messed up last night, or I just messed up last week, or I just messed up last month, or I just messed up for the past few months. I've not been going in the direction that God wants me on. I've not, I've messed up. I want you to know something, and this really set me free. I want you to know that today, You can be free from guilt. And let me tell you what guilt is. Guilt is saying, I wish I never did it. You can be free from shame. Shame identifies you to your sin. I am an addict. You can be free from that. But you can also be free from condemnation. I'm not worthy of God's love. I know many of us are on that boat. The word of God proclaims, That you can be free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. So right now I want you to know Jesus doesn't look at your past. You're here and he wants to speak to your heart. All we got to do is we got to get past our past as well. So I want you to pay attention to me if you feel like you messed up. I want you to know you are not too far from the grace of God. You might be here and you might have gone to church all your life. You might know the scripture. You might even quote scriptures. You might pray for a long time. You know a lot about God in your mind, but you don't know a lot about God in your heart. I want to invite you to open your heart so that you can have experiential knowledge of how good he is as a father and a friend. Man, he's good. I love him so much. And also, I want to talk to all of you who are having this intimate relationship with the Lord and are walking on a journey through life with Him. Today, I believe this Word will take you to the next step of glory because we're going from glory to glory with Him. And I promise you that if you let the Word of God become a seed in your heart and if you have a heart of fertile soil, that you and your transformation will reap fruit, not only in your life, but in the lives of people around you. The title for today's sermon, and we're on this series called Watchmen on the Wall, and Pastor's done a, an amazing job establishing foundation. But I have the privilege to bring the Word of God to you. And the title of the sermon for today is The Cry of a Watchman. What is the cry of a watchman? But before I go there, how many of you like to hear stories? Let me see your hands. I love stories. As a matter of fact, The best-selling industry in the entire world is the entertainment entertainment industry, also known as the storytelling industry. And so I want to share a story with you that God laid on my heart. There was once this kingdom, and this kingdom started to grow exponentially fast. They started conquering all the other kingdoms in that continent. Something unusual was happening in this kingdom, however. All the people... Who were conquered including the kings they began to love this new king they loved him dearly and so the enemies from the other continent they did not understand how that the kingdoms that were just conquered would fall in love with their new king and we're going to show you I'm going to tell you why but they were wondering how this was such a phenomena the reason why they were growing so fast was because of a key man who was key in the propelling of the kingdom and the protection of the kingdom. His name was Jacob. This man was a key instrument that the king used in order to propel the kingdom. But nobody in the kingdom knew what his job really was. All they knew was he's the reason why we're growing so fast. And like every other child, the child had to take after the father's trade, Jacob had a son named David. And David had to take after the trade of Jacob, but David did not know what Jacob did. David, his son, was so excited because he was a teenager and he was coming of age, so his father decided to teach him a few key lessons for the job that he will have to take over one day. And so his father, Jacob, told David, I want you to be a shepherd right now. And he gathered some sheep and gave the sheep in charge of David. Now David, he's on his first day, he's, he's happy, he's looking after the sheep. He's following all the so-called rules that his father gave him. And he's looking after the sheep. And then a week goes by and at the end of the week, now he has a heavy, heavy lunch and now his eyes are drowsy and he's, he's falling asleep on the job. And as he's falling asleep on the job, his father sees him and his father comes and steals one of the sheep and takes it back home. David wakes up, he makes the count to check if all the sheep are there and it's one sheep short. He gets anxious and he runs back and he says, daddy, 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 I don't know what happened, we're missing one sheep. And then Jacob said, well, what did you do? Weren't you watching? David said, no, dad, I was watching, but I don't know. And then his dad, Jacob, presents the sheep that he had stolen earlier. And he said, I was the one who stole the sheep. And then his father said, the reason I was able to steal the sheep was because you had fallen asleep. So he told him, this is lesson number one, son. Make sure you remember this. Do not fall asleep on the job. And so David's excited. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to mess up. I'm not going to fall asleep. So next week, he's taking care of these sheep. He's not fallen asleep. But towards the end of the week, his friend comes running along and gives him a, a catapult. And he takes this catapult and he begins to play with it. He's so much enjoying playing with this catapult that his father sees that he's distracted And his father does the same thing. He goes and steals another sheep and takes it back home. The end of the day rolls around. David makes the count. Guess what? One sheep short. He runs back to his dad. Daddy, daddy, I lost another sheep. Then his dad asked, what did you do? Well, I promised that I did not fall asleep. And then his dad told him, but you were distracted with the catapult. And when you were distracted, I stole the sheep without you seeing. And then he told him the lesson number two. He said, David, my son, this is lesson number two. Do not get distracted with entertainment. Do not get distracted with entertainment. So this time around, David is taking care of the sheep. He tells himself, I am not falling asleep, nor am I going to be distracted. And so because he does that, guess what happens? He starts to fall in love with the sheep themselves. He starts to give these sheep unique names. He starts to play with these sheep. And he loves them. He's starting to love them. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of the week again, this time a bear starts to dart and come towards the sheep. He doesn't know what to do. He's wondering, what should I do? And like anyone, he starts to cry for help. He says, help, help. And his father heard his cry and came running. His father got there just in time to make sure he'd he'd shoo away the bear. And the bear went and his father came running to him and knelt down and hugged him and said, Son, you did the right thing. You cried for help, which is important for you to do. Today I'm there, tomorrow I might not be here. And then he presents to him a gift. What is this gift? It's a ram's horn. And he tells him, whenever you're in danger, cry for help. But if, you, if nobody comes, blow the ram's horn. And so David says, yes, sir. And he, he starts back on his journey protecting the sheep. He's protecting the sheep the next week. And this time, something even worse happens. He sees a lion darting at the sheep at a distance. He begins to cry for help. Help! Help! Nobody comes. Help! Help! Nobody comes. And then finally, he remembers what his father said. And he takes that ram's horn and he blows that trumpet. And suddenly, soldiers come running. And these soldiers come and kill the lion. And then out of the chariot, he sees... The king himself step out of the chariot and come to him. The king comes to him and says, son, where did you get this ram's horn? So David said, my father Jacob gave me that horn. And so the king sat him down and said, this horn actually belongs to me. But the reason I gave Jacob this horn It's because me as a king, unlike every other king, I love my people. And my people love me. And I want what's best for them. When I realized that your father Jacob had the same heart that I had, I gave him a unique mode of communication through the ram's horn to me. And I know that your father has seen that in you as well. Your father has seen that you love the sheep. That you're willing to lay down your life for the sheep. You didn't leave the sheep and run away when danger came. You stood your ground and your father gave you that horn. And because you have the same heart that your father has and what I have, you got this gift. I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 62 verse six and seven, Isaiah chapter 62, verse six and seven. I'm reading from the English standard version here. Isaiah chapter 62, verse six and seven. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all day and all the night They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance. Take no rest. Give him no rest. Until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Point number one, if you are not taking notes, I want to encourage you to take notes. Point number one is this. The appointment of the watchman is for those who carry the heart of the king. Isaiah 62 verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. In other words, the watchmen are appointed. Say the word appointed. appointed. I don't know if you remember in the story. The reason why the kingdom was growing fast was because of a key person, Jacob. He was the reason why the kingdom was growing fast because he was a watchman. He was appointed as a watchman. Jacob carried the heart of the king for the people and therefore the king entrusted Jacob with the ram's horn, which is a unique mode of communication between the king and the watchman. In other words, Jacob was appointed because he carried the heart of the king. Are you with me? Now when Jacob saw that David began to carry that same heart for the sheep, where David would be willing to lay down his life to protect that sheep, he gave them names, he used to play with them every day. His father Jacob gave him the ram's horn as a part of his training. Because David had the same heart that the king had. Now going to the Old Testament now in scripture. The nation of Israel were God's chosen people and God himself was their king. But the nation of Israel they wanted to be like every other kingdom. They wanted a man as the king. So God gave them their desire and God gave them Saul as their first king. Now Saul... He did not have the true heart of God as the original king. Saul was someone who actually feared the people and paid heed to the opinion of the people over the opinion of God and the fear of the Lord. He, God told him, go into the battle and kill everyone. He, st- he goes into the battle, he wins the battle. Instead of killing everyone, he thinks to himself, these resource, these people are good resources Well, he kills all the people except the king Agag. Because the people literally said, don't kill him. People said, we want the loot for ourselves. So he feared the people instead of the word of God. My friends, we are living in a day and age in a culture where we as Christians and Christian brothers and sisters, the devil has caused us to put our volumes down. The devil has caused us Just like Saul, to pay heed and care more about the opinions of people and fear the people than fear God. My friends, I want you to understand the world that we're living in, especially the culture that we see now, everyone's vocal about their opinion except the Christians. We can't say the name of Jesus. Everyone's an unapologetic atheist, unapologetic this and that. They have their own identities. Everyone has a right to their own version of the truth. And while we know the truth, we are quiet. We're silent. Many of us, even when we pray before our meals in public. Oh Lord Jesus, bless this food. Amen. No, we got to pray loudly. Why are we scared about praying for our food? We care so much of what other people think. God forbid somebody who's sick is walking by you. And the Holy Spirit tells you to go pray for them. No way, Lord. Instead, you'll turn. And this is, this is what I call fearful intercession. When God tells you to do something, you want to obey, but you want to partially obey. Lord, I pray for this person that you would heal them in Jesus' name. The word of God says, go and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is something else I've noticed in American culture. We refuse... We refuse, and I'm saying this, we refuse to show people their sin and tell them they're wrong. American Christian culture, you will never tell someone they're in sin. You'll beat around the bush. Well, if you continue to think that this lifestyle might be the right fit for you, then you might have to go through a, a season in your life where you will have hardships And then you might come to realize that you actually need God. No, stop it. Hey, you are in sin. The word of God says, stop doing that sin for your own good. In a loving way, I'm telling you, please repent. Turn from your sin so that your life will be better. We care too much and we're too much caught up in the fear of man's opinion and man's approval rather than God's opinion and God's approval. This past Tuesday... I was in Barnes & Noble where I was having my discipleship meetings. And there was, a, um, there was a social worker right behind me. And she was taking appointments. People were coming and meeting with her. And this was happening in a Starbucks in Barnes and & Noble. And there was two young ladies who came. And they did not grab a seat. They were standing. And as they were standing, one of the young ladies starts to shake violently, her head's shaking, I look back and I'm thinking this is a demon in Barnes and Noble and I'm wondering okay this is legit and then I come to realize the girl says the other girl says sorry she's just she's on a trip and I was like oh wow now what what Christianity and fearful Christians would do is this turn aside and say, Lord, in Jesus name, save her. But I'm different. I stood up. I went straight to her. I'm a minister of the gospel. I need to pray for your friend right now. I go straight. I lay my hands on her. She starts falling. The books are falling everywhere. I'm trying to hold her down and pray life over her. I'm saying life over her, life over her mind. I'm speaking God's blessing over her. I'm contending for her. And guess what happens? She starts turning purple. And everyone's freaking out. She's turning purple. She's turning purple. They're calling 911 six times, seven times because she's turning purple. I'm thinking, Lord, I got to do something. I'm praying, but I don't know. It's not breaking through. So guess what? I change. I turn on my tongues and in Barnes and Noble with the whole commotion of people, I'm praying in tongues like I'm praying in tongues in a microphone. I'm screaming. But this is about her life and death. I don't care about what people think right now. She needs to be saved. So I start praying and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Guess what? Her breathing comes back to normal. She turns back normal. Nine one one. The the paramedics come. They take her. And I go back to my seat. And I didn't mention this part in the first service. I go back to my seat. And two of the Starbucks employees come to me and say, sir, thank you for what you did. The security guard from Barnes and Noble, sir, thank you for what you did. A person was sitting next to us. I'm looking for a church home. Where can I find a church? Gives me a note. If one person steps out in boldness and believes the word of God and doesn't fear the people because they know. That they are ambassadors of a superior kingdom. That controls everything we see on the natural. You will not be fearful. Coming back to the story of Israel. Then came another man that God chose. His name was David. David had the heart of a king. David had the heart of God. How do I say that? Because David was willing to put his life on the line. When he wrestled with the bear and the lion. But that's not enough. The Holy Spirit showed me another area of how David replicated God's heart. David replicated God's heart. When Saul was trying to kill him. David was in this cave and he had the opportunity to actually kill Saul. But David did not kill Saul. David said, I will not touch God's anointed. And his own men said, David, why are you doing this? He's been trying to kill us for so many years, but you are saying you will not touch God's anointed. Yes, he said, I will not touch God's anointed. David carried the heart of God. David carried the heart of God. How many of you have heard of this statement? Um, God is no respecter of persons. Yeah, we've heard that a lot. But before I get into that aspect, I want to tell you what is the heart of God. I want to share with you the seven attributes of God's heart. Number one, God is merciful. Number two, God is gracious. Number three, God is slow to anger. Number four, God is abounding in love. Number five, God is faithful. Number six, God is forgiving. And number seven, God is just. Let me read to you Exodus 34 verse 6 where all this comes from. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness, who keeps faithfulness for a thousands of generations, who forgives wrongdoing violation of his law and sin yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation i'm going to say that again seven attributes of god merciful gracious slow to anger abounding in love faithful forgiving and just now going back to the term god is not a respecter of persons God is not a respecter of persons. All of us are on the same playing field. But why did Jesus choose only 12 disciples? As a matter of fact, Jesus, before he chose the 12, he prayed all night. He woke up in the morning, and amongst his disciples, he appointed 12 to be apostles. God chose, even though God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't make sense. And the Lord began to show me God is not a respecter of persons in terms of opportunity presented. Everyone gets the same opportunity but not everyone step into that opportunity. Every God did not just call 12 to be his disciples. He didn't just call Peter and Matthew come and follow me. He actually called others. We see that in Luke chapter Luke chapter 9 Luke chapter 9 verse 57, Jesus is going down the road and a man comes running to him and says, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then Jesus tells to another man, follow me. He said, but Lord, I need to go and bury my father before I follow you. See, the invitation for the opportunity was for many, but only few stepped into it. Now, why am I saying that? As a matter of fact, in the 12, Jesus showed favor to three. When you step into the opportunity that is presented to you by the Lord, you go from the level of God is no respecter of persons to being favored by God. You become favored by God because you've responded to God in the right way. So is the playing field same? Yes. Yes. But when you respond, you go from glory to glory. When you obey, you go from glory to glory. And three disciples were chosen and Jesus would take them where others did not go. For example, Jesus took these three disciples up a mountain and he was transfigured before them. If you're making notes, write this point now. It's not a point, but it's like a subtopic. Favor comes to those who respond to the call. Favor always comes to those to respond to the call. Write this point down. The secrets of the kingdom are revealed to those who have favor. Once you make the right decision by following Jesus, once you receive favor from God, then you got to step into a dimension of revelation. That's why only three people got a chance to see the transfigured Jesus compared to the 12. Write this down. Favor doesn't just do that, but favor releases a responsibility to carry a deeper heart for God and carry God's heart. Favor releases the responsibility to go deeper in carrying God's heart and carrying his heart. So what do I mean by that? The three that were chosen who went up the mountain to see Jesus transfigured, they were also invited to another place. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. When you get appointed and when you make the right decision by saying yes to Jesus, you get favor. Favor not only to to see the secrets and the mysteries and to get a deeper revelation of God, but God takes you to a deeper level of intimacy. Where he shows you where his heart is broken. In that Garden of Gethsemane, three disciples... Jesus took them in and he said pray with me Because Jesus was about to go through the the worst part of his life the crucifixion and the persecution He wanted the three to be a part of him Similarly, there was a man named Moses Because he said yes to God. He was invited up another mountain to get a deeper revelation of God But it doesn't just end there Moses Also spoke to God in such a way where God said, I want to go destroy those people. Moses said, Lord, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are faithful and kind. You are slow to anger. God reveals his secrets to those who are favored. But he brings you to a deeper level of intimacy where you begin to carry the heartbreak of God himself. Are you someone who will respond to the call of being a watchman? Are you someone who will step into the call and even though it's worth the appointment, are you someone who's going to step into it and say, yes, this is what I'm called to do? You see, a watchman is not seen, but the effects of a watchman is clearly perceived. I'm going to say that again. The watchmen themselves are not seen, but the effects of the watchman are clearly perceived. What do I mean by that? As a watchman on the wall, you might be in your prayer closet, unseen. But you might be shifting things in the atmosphere of the community that you're living in. You have the invitation to step into this call as a watchman. Will you step into the call as a watchman? A preacher said this. He said, it doesn't doesn't matter if people like me or not. As long as God loves me and the devil hates me, I know I'm doing something right. The opinion of people doesn't matter. All that matters is if heaven knows who you are and hell knows you're a threat. You might not be seen, but you can do damage. The appointment of the watchman is for those who carry the heart of a king. Point number two. The duty of a watchman... Is to be vigilant. Isaiah 62 verse 6. Our core scripture. The second half of that. All the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance. Take no rest. You see. The Lord started convicting me. I'm telling you. If you're on a journey with God. Two things will happen. He will start purifying you all the time. There's you never go through a season without purification where you have to put away things, but it's the other thing that's even better. First, you look like you, you, it's for example, let's just say that wall is God and you're this thumb. You look at God and He's big, but when you start growing closer to Him, all of a sudden He gets bigger, He gets more and more and more bigger. Your revelation of him grows and the fear of God grows as well. The Lord started convicting me and he said, I want you to live a lifestyle of fasting. So I started fasting a lot. And I started fasting. I couldn't fall asleep when I fasted for some reason. And the Lord told me, come and pray. So I had to go pray. So when I started praying, the Lord started showing me, you are stepping into the call of a watchman. Where it might sometimes require your sleep as well. I'm presenting the opportunity. It's for you to say yes. And the moment I said yes, I got a deeper revelation. I didn't just get the deeper revelation. I got the secrets. There's a scripture in Proverbs 25 that says, it's the glory of a king to conceal a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. What does that mean? God sometimes conceals something so that you can actually search for it. And you get glory in the seeking. My God, I'm preaching to somebody. My friends, sometimes as a watchman, you might have to lose sleep literally. But let me talk about it metaphorically. In the story, Jacob had to teach his son three lessons. Lesson number one, do not fall asleep on the job. I want you to put that picture of my daughter real quick. If you see this picture, this is my daughter sleeping in her cradle a rocker and that's a blanket and I used to do we used to do this to make sure she falls asleep and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden spoke to me and he said this is how my children are I said what do you mean but Lord he said the enemy blocks their vision and puts them to sleep and I said wow okay Lord and he started showing me more and he said, how does the enemy block the vision? By the enemy getting rid of the light. I'm preaching to somebody here. You see, when the enemy blocks the light, he causes you to start getting dim in your senses. What is the light? The moment I put that blanket, the light was, was not coming through as much. That changed the atmosphere, and which caused her to fall asleep. My friends, we have to understand there are several ways the enemy blocks the light. But there are three primary ways the enemy blocks the light. Number one, the enemy blocks the light by making sure you don't read this word anymore. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. The entrance of your word brings light. The moment you stop reading the word of God, guess what happens? Darkness. The moment you stop praying, guess what happens? Darkness. The moment you stop coming to church and and being in the brethren, being in the community, guess what happens? Absence of light equal to darkness. You can't turn on a switch for darkness. You got to shut off the light. That's what the enemy does. He convinces you, hey, you don't have to read the word. You don't have to read the word. He convinces you, you don't have to pray, you don't have to go to church. But it's not just the blocking of the light, but it's also the rocking of the cradle to put you to sleep. You see, when the cradle is rocked, guess what happens? The senses of the baby gets disoriented. And that puts them to sleep. My dear brothers and sisters, the enemy is desensitizing your senses. Let me explain it. What was the lesson two that Jacob taught David? Do not be distracted with entertainment. My dear brothers and sisters, the enemy's job is to distract you with entertainment. Just one more game of football, sweetheart. Just 15 more minutes of scrolling on social media, sweetheart. And the last time you read your word? A month ago. Distracted with entertainment. Entertainment is pleasing to the flesh. But entertainment is displeasing to the spirit. Is your your television telling you a vision? My friends... Do not be distracted. The culture that we're living in, I don't know about you, but we see the devil popping his head out everywhere. In schools or in movies. Everywhere, don't get caught up. You see, in the story, David was distracted with the slingshot. What are you distracted with? What have you been distracted with that has disoriented your senses so much so that you're calling false truth and truth false. I'm stepping on toes now. The moment you start turning a little bit and there's more and more of television and in that show that you're watching, all of a sudden there's, there's music that is so melodious and all of a sudden we see that man break up with his boyfriend and you start crying with them. And you're crying with them and all of a sudden you're realizing, wait a minute. Desensitizing your senses. Maybe it's not that. Maybe you're watching the show, and guess what? A promiscuous scene comes. Like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm big deal. Desensitized. I'm preaching to somebody. I know that people might not accept it, but this is the truth. Fear God, not man. You see, as a watchman and as Christian brothers and sisters, you cannot be distracted. And you can't be distracted and say, well, I didn't discern it. There's a difference between discernment and being vigilant. Your discernment can be twisted based on what you behold. My God, I'm preaching to someone. But your vigilance, when you keep your eyes open, You're on the task. Your ears are open. You know what's happening in the culture. You see what's happening in the culture. It's not discernment. It's just called vigilance. You know your word. You know what's not the word. And you're vigilant. I might not get too many amens and that's okay. Noah preached for 120 years and only seven got saved. Point number two. Point number two. The duty of a watchman is to be vigilant The duty of a watchman is to be vigilant. Let's go to point number three Point number three the cry of a watchman is not just for those who are inside the walls of the kingdom But outside the walls of the kingdom The third lesson that Jacob taught David in the story I shared earlier is this when trouble comes You cry for help. But if no help comes, you blow the horn. There's two parts of the cry. Number one, you cry to God. You cry to God when you see so many unborn babies in the earth. You cry to God when you see racial discrimination sweep the earth. You cry to God when you see injustice sweep the earth. You cry to God when you see what's happening in the schools. You cry to God... For all these things that matter in the economy of the kingdom of God as a watchman. But it's not just relegated to your cry to God. But it's also relegated for your cry on behalf of God. The cry changes to God to being on behalf of God. Let me explain. Jesus, he talks to his disciples and he tells them, The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Then Jesus tells them, pray to the God of the harvest to send forth laborers. So they begin to pray, God send forth laborers, send forth laborers, because why? The harvest is ripe. Now what do I mean by the harvest is ripe? That means people are ripe to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel. And so they begin to intercede. And guess what the next verse says? After they prayed for the harvest, Jesus gathered them and guess what Jesus did? He sent them out two by two. Your cry for injustice in the world will cause you to become the very vessel To take the message of injustice to the people and make it a plea so that you plea for them to come into the kingdom of God. You plea so that they can be saved. You plea so that they can understand you. You don't just cry for the unborn babies, but you cry for the people who are for the unborn babies. I'm preaching for somebody. You cry for those atheists who are against it. You cry for those people who belong to the alphabet community. You begin to cry for them, and you begin to plead for them, and say, "Guys, what you don't understand is this: Jesus died on the cross for you too. Jesus died on the cross for you too. We were all sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of glory. I've, I've been there. I'm there. I, I know where you've been." It doesn't give you life. People who are locked up in sin and addiction and identity crisis, guess what my dear brothers and sisters? They don't know who they are. But if we don't tell them, how will they know? If we don't tell them, how will they know? Luke chapter 1 verse 69, this is the high priest Zachariah talking about Jesus. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. You see, my friends, in the story I told you about a horn, a ram's horn, that was a direct mode of communication to the king. When danger came, David blew that horn, and the soldiers came and rescued them. Do you remember that? You see, my friends, the the horn of salvation. Is not just a literal horn. It's a horn of you and me proclaiming the gospel. Because guess what? People are dying and going to hell. I said it. But if we don't love them enough to preach the gospel, how will they know? Listen to verse 7, Isaiah 62 verse 7. And give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem And makes it a praise in the earth You see my friends in this context That Jerusalem that is being spoken about Is a new Jerusalem It's a new kingdom Where God himself is the king It's a new Jerusalem It's not the Jerusalem we talk about now Isaiah prophetically is declaring About a new Jerusalem to come The beautiful thing about the kingdom in the story that I shared was every kingdom that he conquered, the people loved him. Why? Because he loved them. He had what's best for them in in his interest as a king. And that's why they loved him. We belong to a kingdom where if we respond to his call, we too step in and we realize actually, you know what? Staying away from the sin is actually good for me. Not being a part of that addiction is good for me. Not hanging out with those people who caused me to sin is good for me. I belong to a new kingdom. Many of us Christians get so caught up of what's happening in the world that we fail to recognize that we are a part of a different kingdom. You have a call as a watchman. step in and receive favor from God you have a call as a watchman to cry for injustice to God but you have a call as a watchman to be a spokesperson on behalf of God a cry of plea to the people listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10 John chapter 10 verse 14 and 16 I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know my father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said, I have other sheep who are not of this fold. Jesus is the only one who died for his sheep but also other sheep out there in the world who don't know who they are. He died for them too and he wants to gather them. You need to become a person, a spokesperson as a watchman and begin to cry and say, cry through the proclamation of the gospel. The way you cry is when you preach the gospel. When you preach the gospel to someone who doesn't know Jesus, guess what? You're actually obeying God you're actually fulfilling the call as a watchman pleading with them to accept the Lord verse 6 that third part Isaiah 62 verse 6 the third part you who put the Lord in remembrance as a watchman your job is to remind God I want to share a quick story with you and I'm gonna close my teacher he was building a huge deck so he had to carry a big log of wood. He 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 started to carry it and his daughter 3 year old. Daddy daddy daddy. I want to help. So he loves her so much he says, "Okay, sweetheart, you can help." And he he tells her, "Why don't you put your hand and carry this part?" And he takes that big log of wood. How many of you understand that he is carrying percent of the load and this baby girl is only doing a very minute amount of lifting you see god already knows everything he knows everything but he wants to invite you into a partnership with him come on somebody he wants you to partner with him as a watchman a watchman on the wall, not only for the people who are inside the wall, but for the people who are outside the wall. Hey, you will die if you remain there. Come into this new kingdom. Come and follow Jesus. He will give you life. He will give you life more abundantly. When you remind God, you're actually stepping into partnership with Him. He's giving you the opportunity to partner with Him. Are you going to respond? Jump to your feet real quick. The new Jerusalem is explained clearly in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 4. I want to read it to you. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain for the former things have passed away. Before the end ever comes and this is talking about the end times where a new Jerusalem will actually come and we'll dwell with Jesus. I'm super excited for that. But my dear brothers and sisters, we cannot go past Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. And this gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. And then the end will come. Are you going to be that spokesperson? Are you going to be the watchman who cries to God for the people inside the walls, but also cries on behalf of God to the people outside the walls through the proclamation of the gospel? I want to ask you an important question today. If you've never given your life to Jesus what are you waiting for that brokenness that addiction that relationship that loss whatever you've gone through the answer that you're looking for is in Jesus Jesus said come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest do you need rest today if you've never given your life to Jesus right now this is a holy moment not fear what people will think the person next to you on the left or the right will not stand with you before God let me tell you that don't let this moment pass by if you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time I want you to raise your hand I see you brother why don't you make your way forward I see you brother make your way forward make your way forward is there anybody else Is there anybody else? If you're watching online and if you want to make a first time decision to follow Jesus, I want you to put in the comment section, I want to get saved. And somebody will contact you and help you walk through what that looks like. You can come down here, sir. Thank you so much. Let's have uh, someone from the altar team to just step in with that brother right there. I want you to lead them in the prayer of salvation while I pray for all of you and close out. But before I do that, I want to ask one last question. Maybe you walked away from God. It's been a week or a month or even two months and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus and have a fresh start today. If that is you today, I want to see your hands raised. Right now. I see you, sister. Come on up front. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? If you want a fresh start and if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, can I see your hand? Remember, the person next to you will not be there with you when you stand in front of God. Do not let this moment pass by. One last time, is there anybody who wants to rededicate their life to Jesus? Amen. And if you're watching online, put it in the comment section. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to pray for the rest of you. I want the altar workers to lead them in a prayer of salvation. So brother Johnny lead lead them in a prayer of salvation. And I want to pray for the rest of you. If you you all can close your eyes and lift up your hands. Lord, we know that you're giving us an opportunity step into the call as a watchman we know there are people around us who need to hear the good news of the gospel we know God that you're calling us to be vigilant you want to appoint us to be watchmen to know your secrets to know your heart and to know what breaks your heart you're calling us deeper Lord give us the strength to step into that Right now, I ask, give us strength, Lord, to be watchmen on the wall. Lord, I pray for each one who's here. I pray a blessing over them. Take them safe. Let them be the light. Show them ways that they can proclaim the gospel. I pray a blessing over them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Let's give a round of applause. We're running short of time. So I want you guys to make your way out in an orderly fashion. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for hearing the word of God. I hope you are blessed. Go and have a blessed, blessed week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.